message was recorded at River City Church. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we're going to do, we're going to begin actually with a very familiar scripture, uh, which is something that's often used at this time of year, Isaiah 43. Maybe you might want to turn to that if you have your Bible. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. And this is a scripture which is familiar at this time of year because we're looking back and we're looking forward. Um, But one of the biggest challenges I believe that we face across the body of Christ, not just us as a local church, is the growing up into the mind of Christ today. The fact that we are now in a new covenant, we're in a new dispensation, we're not living before the cross, we're living after the cross and the resurrection, and that changed everything, everything. So I wanna give a little simple picture to you this morning, and it's one of the themes and one of the foundations of what God has been doing in our lives as a church over the last number of years, is growing us up from thinking about living for God to thinking about living from God. This is the whole reason Jesus came. This is the whole reason the Holy Spirit was poured out, that we'd be living not just for him, but from him. In other words, our thinking is being renewed. We're not thinking of ourselves any longer as a self. We're thinking of ourselves as us. I and God and God in me and actually us as a body. And I want to finish the day even by talking about that, how in fact the will of God is found for us, not as individuals, but more and more as a body. And that's why when we pray for Julia or we think about each other, we miss people when we're not together. And, and we, 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 we are so blessed really by being together. And it's like the Holy Spirit is trying to show us, I'm growing you up out of the I into the us Praise God, because all of your problems really come from trying to be an I. We'll come back to that. So this is the verse, Isaiah 43. You know it very well. This is the New Century Version. It says from verse 18, the Lord says, forget what happened before. Do not think about the past. Look at the new thing I'm going to do. It's already happening. Don't you see it? I will make a road in the desert and rivers in the dry land. The Bible tells us that what was concealed in the old is revealed in the new. And the greatest revelation we have of the scriptures came from the mouth of Jesus. Remember as he walked with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, he said to them, I'm going to show you myself. And he took them to the law and the prophets. In other words, the law and the prophets aren't really about what you and I have to do for God. They're about Jesus. They're about what God has done They're about him fulfilling all the things that we could never fulfill and we're actually never meant to fulfill by ourselves. Because you know what? By ourselves is death as far as God's concerned. His idea of life has never been I. It's always been us. And that's something we touched on just over Christmas when we spoke about Jesus. So to preach the gospel today really is to point people to Jesus Christ. It's not much to say... Um, would he hear what God's going to do, is to say, look, look what he has done. Praise God. 
So if I was to read that scripture again from the perspective of the Holy Spirit opening our eyes to see, in fact, what he has done, it would sound a little bit different. It might sound like, look at the new thing God has already done. Look at what has happened. He has made a way where there was no way. He has made a road in the desert. He has made the river to flow. And he is that road. He is the way. He is the river. And you know what? To my shock and surprise, by his grace, I find that river flowing in me. Praise the Lord. That is the most powerful testimony, whether you're in a tin shack in Malawi or whether you're living in Derry or wherever you're living, to find the river of life flows in the desert. And that river of life flowing in you, so no matter what desert experience you and I go through this year, the river of life is flowing in us. And that, by his grace, it's just a beautiful thing. Look at the new thing. So really what I want to do every year, really, is to, is to allow the Holy Spirit to minister his presence the ministry of the Holy Spirit is the ministry of the presence of God. And so much in our lives, we used to think of the presence of God. We've been taught this way growing up in church. The presence of God, we always spoke of in terms of a future hope rather than a present reality. So growing up in church, for me, it was always it was one day in heaven. One day in heaven, then I'll be with the president. One day in the by and by. And maybe in later years in church, it was, well, one day when revival comes. One day God's going to show up. One day when God, and God's presence was always the other side of some barrier. Maybe it was the other side of 40 days of prayer and fasting. Maybe it was the other side of more giving. The other side of more work. The other side of more preaching, more something. It was always somewhere else. That's an old covenant mindset. By the new covenant. By the Spirit of God, we can say, I am as he is in this life. He is with me. Emmanuel. We celebrate it. Unless what we just did over the last couple of weeks was simply tradition, by the Spirit of God, we can say, Emmanuel. God with us. Praise God. His presence is here. Lord, open our eyes to how much you're with us, how much you're for us. Because when our eyes open in that way, we are different. We're just different people. Because you are what you see Praise God. Every person here today is living the life they're actually believing in. <laughs> so Lord, open our eyes to see the life that we actually have. Your life, that Christ is now my life. I'm not just living for him, I'm living from him. It's a totally different life. Praise God. And I preach this way to speak to my own soul. I'm saying to myself, come on, fail him. Praise God. Speak these words. These words are of the Spirit. This is the truth. Faith comes by hearing. It's so beautiful. Why do we say it over and over and over again? Because you're hearing something different outside that door over and over and over again. Every person here this morning has a mobile phone in your pocket. You are not hearing this from that, from the world. The world is saying you need to save yourself. And here's the thousand and one things you need to do to save yourself. And when that spirit comes into the church, the gospel is, the gospel is twisted and leavened. And it becomes a message about what you need to do for God to get saved. Here's the gospel. We can live from God because Christ has died and been resurrected and ascended and the Holy Spirit has been poured out. We can only do that by the Spirit. Only if the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and he does, praise God. So we live not just for him but from him. To live from his presence. To live from his acceptance. That's such a beautiful word, acceptance, isn't it? To live from his approval, not for his approval. 
I spent many years living for his approval. It's a very dry desert. You know what happened? He made a river to flow in the desert. I heard the gospel. <laughs> I don't have to live for his approval. I can live from his approval. It's a different life. To live from his joy and his love over me. That's a totally different life than living for some day in the by and by when he might have changed his mind about me. That day came, praise God. It was actually from before the foundation of the world. His eyes have been set. His heart have been set on us. We don't change him. He changes us. Your behavior this year isn't going to change God. <laughs> it's not going to get him to make you or give you more than he's already given you. Because you know what? If he delivered up his only son, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Praise God. You know, so we live in a world that thinks and teaches us to save ourselves. And I just experience that in my life all the time. And I need to be purged from that leaven. Because if I'm not, I'll teach you how to save yourself. And here's seven principles where you could be a better Christian. <laughs> you see what that is? That's the message of the world. Here's what you need to do. And what it does is it defers your hope. You mentioned that this morning, John. It defers your hope to some other day. Well, maybe this year will be better than last year. There used to be a little plaque in a church in Rome. People used to walk to Rome on a pilgrimage, you know. And uh, <coughs> this value in coming aside from your life and spending time, whether it be in the middle of the night or on a walk, and walking is very healthy for you, helps your process. I would, I would actually, my, if you ask me what my hobby is, I'd say walking, you know. And myself, especially on walking with Nicola, we just talk things out. And by the time we finish the walk, we've solved all the problems of the world. It's beautiful, you know. But doctors will tell you walking is extremely healthy for your mind. Praise God, you know. So people used to walk all the way to Rome, maybe a thousand miles, and they get to a little church, and there's a plaque on it that said this. If you came here looking for Jesus, if you didn't bring him with you, he's not here. <laughs> I thought, my oh, goodness. Imagine walking a thousand miles to read that. But there's great truth there, you know. Don't go look into a place. And that's why we don't take this building as sacred, you know. We want this building to be opened up to be used by the community in the years to come. There's no, nothing sacred about these walls. I'm looking at the sacredness of this building. It's you. It's you and I. That's where he has chosen to put his presence. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. And he didn't want it to be locked away in a building. He wants it to be flowing out down the street and into the, into the towns and houses all around this place. And you know this as well as I know this. But it's good to hear it again, isn't it? Praise the Lord. So he doesn't even see that living at all for him, uh, that life is not found in I, life is found in us. And uh, we saw that actually over Christmas. I talked about how Jesus showed his disciples, in fact, that he wasn't living for himself. He was living as a child. Even as a grown man, he was living totally dependent on his father to save him. We call that the innocence of Jesus. He never lost his innocence. And he wants us to be innocent of the thought, how am I going to save myself? He never wanted you to carry that burden. He said, that burden will crush you. People out there in the world struggling right now with amazing issues and problems and depression and discouragement, all the things that, that weigh on us like, like, like a heaviness, it all comes from that idea that there's something I need to do to save myself because actually God's not going to do it, is he? Where is he in all of my problems? And that will crush you. No wonder Jesus said, come to me for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. I'm going to lift that off you by being your savior. Let me be your father. Let me be your provider. And so this confounded Jesus' disciples because he refused to save himself. 
And they all thought it, why doesn't he save himself? Why doesn't he do something to save himself? And as he got closer and closer to death, they must have thought to themselves, oh, he's bound to do something now. Yes, he'll do something now. I reckon as Peter was outside Caiaphas' house, the high priest's house, during the trial of Jesus, he actually be- believed that Jesus was going about to burst through the door. <laughs> He'd seen him, hadn't he? Had he seen him walk through crowds before? He'd seen him walk through times where people were going to arrest him, you know? So he really thought, you know, this is going to change. Jesus is going to be released. That was what in Peter's heart was. Remember when Jesus said to Peter, I must die? And Peter said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. What did, what did Jesus say to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. He says, it is going to happen. It wasn't just the Pharisees. They said it out loud at the cross. They said, if he was the son of God, why doesn't he save himself? But don't you think that thought might have crossed Mary's mind? Or John's mind as they stood at the foot of the cross? Of course it did. They were all thinking that. Because that's what you think without the power of empowerment of the Holy Spirit. What's going on? I'm confused. Why doesn't he save himself? But Jesus, well, let's put it like this. If Abraham was commended for his faith in allowing his son Isaac to go to his death because he believed that even God could raise him up, <laughs> did God himself not have that similar sort of faith? How could Jesus commend Abraham and not himself have that similar faith? Of course he did. So he believed, my father is going to rescue me. Even if they kill me, he's going to raise me up. And that life, that innocence is what is in us. That we would not live in this world like everybody else, pushing and shoving and elbowing our way to the top of the heap to try and save ourselves. But we, in fact, could serve at the very bottom of the heap. (laughs) We could lift others up because we believe that we have already passed from death to life in Jesus Christ and that our lives are today, not one day in the by and by, but today hidden with Christ and God. It's a different way of thinking. The Bible calls it the renewing of the mind. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? This world can only teach you to save yourself. Do not be conformed to that. Not even in the church. Do not let anyone teach you how to save yourself by doing this or doing that. But be renewed by the spirit of your mind. Be renewed by the Holy Spirit so that you can live from the heavenly realm. From union with Christ. From the presence of God. And that way people encounter the presence of God. They encounter his presence in the body, in the church. It's such a beautiful thing. Praise God. So every day in this year, like last year, and you and I are exactly the same, what people see in our lives depends on the direction we're looking. If I'm looking and listening to all the wind and the waves of this world and all the voices that are telling me I need to save myself, then that's the direction I'm looking. And remember when Peter looked at the waves and the wind, he began to sink. So there's, there's times in our life where th- th- this world is beginning to overwhelm us, you know. And there will be days like last year and there'll be days again this year where you think, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I find I, I can't even believe today I'm in such a dark place. I'm not the only person. And you're not the only person, John Conway, who gets into dark places who thinks to yourself, where is God? How am I going to cope? And I want to tell you that God never intended any part of your Christian life to be led as an I. That's why we're in a body. There are days, in fact, when you aren't even even to pray for yourself, but people around you will carry you in those days. God didn't intend you to do this by yourself. Jesus could not even carry his cross 
by himself. Isn't God gracious? Isn't God gracious to say, I never meant any person or made any person to be an individual. No person is to live as an I. No person is to boast that I did this and that's why I'm a Christian. There's nothing you did to make yourself a Christian. You're a Christian by the grace of God. And when we grow up in that revelation, it changes our heart to the world, changes our heart to other people. It brings to an end boasting, which is the source of all division in the body. Looking down our nose at the people next door because we think we have done something they, they didn't do. What do you have that you did not receive, the Bible says? Is that not true for us? Everything we have, anything that we have, we can boast in, we boast in the Lord. It was all by the gift of his grace. And the humility that comes with that is astonishing. And, and as we recognize that, it only produces in us thanksgiving. We say, oh my God, you're so good to me. <laughs> I was so blind. I really thought I could do it, that I could be my savior. And yet you rescued me from all of that. How good is God? So the ministry of the Holy Spirit is nothing short of the ministry of the presence of God. And the heart of the Father is always found in that. So sometimes we think, now what do I need to do? So I'm speaking this morning about this transition from I to us. This moving from I living for God to us living with God and in God and from God. And that's a growing up, okay? That's not an instantaneous thing. That's called the renewing of your mind. That happened last year. I hope everybody can say that by the end of 2023, they saw things a little bit clearer than they did at the end of 2022. That's the growing up. You're not growing more righteous. You're not growing more holy. You are who you are by the grace of God. But the knowledge of who you are, that's increasing. Interesting, the scripture says, doesn't say that... Uh, uh, the Spirit of God will, will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It says the knowledge of the Spirit of God will cover the earth. Praise God. It's such a beautiful thing. So we say that we believe that Christ is our Savior, uh, but in reality, we've been brought up in a world that has trained us to save ourselves. And so that's our, our, our default thinking. I want to give you an example of that. When, when I think like that, then I think about, okay, now what do I need to do this year? What do I need to do this year? To get God to be good to me. <laughs> that is a worldly way of thinking. With that thinking, we tend to look to the Bible like a self-help manual. Okay, uh, let me find something in here. There's some principle I'm not doing. If I could only do that this year, then I'd be really blessed. No, no. You cannot be more blessed than you are in Christ. So here, live from there, not from an earthly realm. And what the Holy Spirit does, he lifts us. He lifts our vision so that we can more and more see where we are and live from where we are. Let me give an example of, of that. There's a scripture in the Bible, which you know well, which talks about the tearing of the curtain in the temple the moment Jesus died. You remember this, of course? The moment Jesus died, the curtain tore. It tore from top to bottom. And when we think about that, very often we think, right, the way is open. Amen. The way is open. The way is open. And now I can go on in. I can, I can, I can. Well, <laughs> okay. Let's just talk about that for a moment, you know. I want to plant an idea in your head. Praise God. What if God never intended I to save I by doing anything? What if, in fact, the temple and the torn curtain was more about the Spirit coming to us than I doing something to get myself over the line or through that there or to do anything, praise God. 
and this is something which God shows us by his spirit. What if we have a father so good that not only did he never leave us to save ourselves, he never even left us to believe by ourselves. For he never believed that by ourselves was anything but death. That's what by ourselves is. So in my unrenewed mind, even as a Christian, I can still speak as if I am in charge. In my unrenewed mind, I can speak about I doing things in my strength for God. But the truth is, I could not even believe in Jesus as my Savior, apart from God's Spirit. Let me show you that in Scripture. John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Jesus said that. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, no one. No one. No one. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. That doesn't sound like me saving myself. <laughs> Here's another one. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one. That doesn't sound like I came to Jesus by myself either, does it? If you passed a river in which I was drowning and you dived in, dived in and saved me, how would you feel about me telling everyone that I made you my savior? <laughs> really, I made you my savior. He is the savior. Now what I'm saying is, get rid of the leaven. That little thing that there's something you need to do in order for him to be your savior. He's your savior, but you can't know that or believe that apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we preach the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of this message. It may sound simple. It may sound so simple like a child can understand it, but adults can't get their head around it. But I'm not ashamed of it because it is the power. Because the word of God, as we read this morning, does not return to him void. It does something. Praise God. You will find that by the power of the preaching of the gospel, people find themselves, much to their shock, believing that they have a Savior. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's so beautiful, isn't it? Now, nah, that sounds too simple. It sounds much too simple. Children don't think it sounds simple, but adults sound simple. Why? Because adults have been in a world that's trained them for years in how you need to save yourself. So we can't help saying, yeah, 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 but that's too simple. What do I have to do? Tell us what we have to do. They say that to Jesus all the time. Can you remember his answer? Only believe in him who he has sent. Only believe in him who he has sent. And what I'm saying is this morning, you can't even do that by yourself. Because God is such a good father, he never left us to do one thing by ourselves. Because to him, by yourself is not life. It's death. It's death. And that's why part of the growing up, really, is to be in a body. You know, we just don't get together because we're like-minded people. We all like playing golf or something, you know. <laughs> this is a supernatural thing. I don't know about you. I'm here by the grace of God. Sometimes I think, how in God's name am I still here <laughs> after all these years? Only by the grace of God. I find that I learn more from you than I learn from anybody else. Because that's the way God's intended it. He wants to, he's the whole world is trying to, to lift up the individual, the I. Give that man a gold medal. Give that woman a gold medal. You know, I, I, I. Here's the gospel. I died. And it is no longer I. But Christ who lives in me. So there's a Holy Spirit who's lifting the church to live from Christ. That is, don't be ashamed to call yourself righteous, to call yourself holy, to believe that your needs are met. Even when your body's sick and even if your family's falling apart or even if there's nothing in your bank account, you could not be more blessed. 
Because you and Christ are one in him. By the spirit. By his grace. So. If you want a savior. You have one. That's the gospel. If you want a savior. You have one. Now if you want to be your own savior. Then there's religion or atheism. Take your pick. I'll say it again. Here's the gospel. <laughs> if you want a savior. You have one. If you don't want a savior. There's religion or atheism. You can either be your own savior or believe you don't need one. Up to yourself. But if you want a savior, you have one. That's the proclamation of the gospel. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the one who's given everything for you. Praise God. Now, I find in my life that, and for years I heard that message or something like it. If I'm honest, I never heard that message as pure as that. It was always mixed with a little bit about what I had to do to make him be my savior. You understand that now. But... For years, it didn't really resonate because I felt I didn't need a savior. I was actually doing quite well, you know? And I could fit church into my life and maybe we odd prayer here and then and, you know, a few good works. But really, I thought I was doing quite well. It's only when you break. It's only when you get to the end of your religion and all your self-effort. It's only when you can look in the mirror and say, my God, look at the state of my life. It's only at times like that that we can say, God, help me. And God says, yes, hello. I've been here all the time, and I have been helping you. And even bringing you to this breaking point is me helping you. Praise God. So the waters don't overcome us, and the fire doesn't burn us, even though we'll go through those experiences again this year, because it's in those experiences that I find that people first meet Christ as their Savior. Which is why sometimes when our families are going through great difficulties, absolutely we pray for them, but very often it's those great difficulties that bring them to the very place where they cry out, God, help me. God help me, you know. Now, all we're saying this morning is, by the grace of God, we can live from God helped me. Not for God, that one day he might help me. <laughs> we're living from God. We're living from the completion of his good work. That's what it means to live from eternal life. We're not living for eternal life. I grew up in a church, really, where I hoped that I was holy enough one day to earn eternal life. As believers, we've been birthed from eternal life. We live from eternal life. That's our real life. But now growing up to see that, that's a journey. So you speak to me and I'll speak to you and we can help each other on that journey. And that's how we get together and why we get together and why we preach this message. Because we're not hearing that anywhere else. Everybody else is pointing you to you. And saying you need to do more, you need to give more, you need to pray more, you need to be more. No, point people to Christ. And we do that by preaching this wonderful gospel of his grace, not the gospel of my piety, because that leaves my hope on my piety. Praise God. If my hope is my piety, I'm doomed. And so are you. No offense. Praise God. Let me just try and finish this. The gospel is so simple. And so we want to live from his presence Live from his acceptance, live from his approval, live from his love and his joy over us. I remember we used to sing a song here, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I belong to you. And as we used to sing that song, what's the name of that song again? Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I belong to you. All that, all that I am, that's the name of the song. The reason I live, yes. I noticed something when I used to sing that, standing down there, you know, and we started singing this. 
Then I used to sing, Jesus, I believe in you. But my heart really leapt when I sang, Jesus, I belong to you. And I used to think to myself, why does my heart leap when I sing, Jesus, I belong to you, but doesn't leap as much when I say, Jesus, I believe in you? You know the reason I think? Because for so many years, it has been taught to me believing as a work. I think, Jesus, I be- yeah, God, I'm, I must believe in you. God, I must believe in you more. God, yeah. Jesus, I believe in you. God, you know, yeah. I must, really must believe in you more, you know? You see what happens? My heart leaps when I sing, Jesus, I belong to you. Because it doesn't take anything for me to belong to my Father. That's not my work. There's the joy right there of the gospel. The joy that's gone from the church. The strength that's gone. Praise God. Because we're thinking, God, I need to believe more this year than I believed last year. I died. (laughs) It is no longer I. Praise, Praise God. And what you need, he will provide in the day you need it. And what you needed today was to hear this. And what I needed today was to hear this. Isn't he a good father? He provides what we need. He puts us together. Let me finish with a picture. And it's one I know. I noticed this before. That when God said these sort of things sometimes to people, they're too good to take in. You're thinking, that sounds too good to be true. I'm not sure I could believe that by myself. God says, that's okay then. Don't. Don't believe it by yourself. Believe it with others. Some things are so good, you need to be with others to believe them. That's why when Mary found she was pregnant with Jesus, would you have believed that? Would you have believed that you were about to bear God? No. But maybe if you were put with your cousin, who was so old that nobody believed she could ever bear a child, Elizabeth, maybe that might help you a little bit. As I thought was beautiful that Mary and Elizabeth spent three months together each of them encouraging each other, you know? And so this year as well, there'll be days when you don't have the belief in you, you feel, to cope with what you're going through. Pick up the phone. Come and be together in all your brokenness and all your unbelief, and you'll find that God never intended you to believe all by yourself. Isn't that beautiful? Somebody will carry the cross with you. Christ has put us together as a body, so that we grow up. So one of the most beautiful things is maybe this year, at this time of year, we often think, now Lord, uh, um, I want to pray that, that uh, I will know your will for my life this year. Have you ever prayed that beginning of the year? I have many times. Lord, I just want to know what is your will for my life. Maybe God might say, pray a different prayer this year. Ask him for his will for our life. Ask him why you're here, why you're part of this body, the gifts that he has given you. Pray that prayer. Lord, do something in our life this year. Let us grow up more into the our life. Let our lives be so connected with so many different people. I just don't mean Christian people or people in church. Connect me with whoever you want to connect me with that I would find that in me is a river. And that river is flowing through the desert of other people's lives, not just my desert, and bringing life for wherever the river flows, everything lives. Praise God.